Welcome to the Coming to New York City podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined by founder of Coming to New York City, Katie Smith. And today we are answering your questions from Instagram. And so if you are not following Katie on Instagram, it's at coming to NYC. Katie shares our life here in New York City, raising kids in New York City, having much fun in the city and all the kind of adventures that we go on on a regular basis as a family and uh, and then also she loves one of her favorite things to do is to answer your questions and so many of those questions she answers in her stories or in direct messages and so uh, we're going to answer some of those dms that katie has gotten over the last couple of weeks and i want to encourage you if you have any questions don't hesitate to message katie so katie Welcome to the podcast. Let's answer some questions. Thanks. Yeah. So when we start to think about, okay, what are the next few podcasts we're going to do? You guys um, honestly come up with the best content. Um, I look at the DMs that I've received in the past couple weeks, and I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people may want to know the answers to this. Um, So that's where this episode came from. I know we've done things similar in the past. Um, I think before we've actually asked, you know, what kind of questions do you want us to answer on the podcast? This one wasn't necessarily a call to action like that, but they just organically came in and I thought these are good questions. So the first one we're getting um, a few of is, are we worried about the coronavirus being in a big city like this? Um, obviously we are not medical professionals. <laughs> we, this is just our opinion and there's a good chance you're gonna disagree with it and think you guys need to be taking it more seriously, uh, but are we watching it? Yes. Are we yep. monitoring it? Yes. We're paying attention to what people are saying and all that. So I don't think it's smart to just take it lightly and just be like, oh, they're blowing it up for the news or the media or, you know, political reasons. We're paying attention to it, but we can't let it totally dictate or ruin our time here, our days here. Um, our kids automatically know. I mean, this is just even before the coronavirus. Just living in New York City is dirty. (laughs) Riding the subway is dirty. There are germs everywhere. Um, And so the kids know as soon as we walk into the house, we take off our shoes. So we don't wear our shoes in the house. We have a place for the shoes right, you know, close to our entryway. And they wash their hands with soap and they sing happy birthday twice (laughs) while they're doing it. Um, Yeah. So they know, they know those basic hygiene things. And I think that is in some ways, all that we can do right now for the coronavirus is just making sure that our hygiene and our, our daily hand washing and taking off the shoes is, you know, we got to keep on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's we, we live in a, in a global city where a lot of people come. We know that when it comes to the coronavirus, we're New York. Uh, is going to naturally where it's crowded, you know, it's, it's easier to spread germs here. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then I travel a lot. And so I think I'm, I'm maybe paying a little extra attention because of that. But I think we're also just the way we live. Uh, we don't live in a state of paranoia. We, we live, um, in a state of awareness and, uh, we're cautious yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you told me the other day, like, I'm going to get you some wipes, uh, before your next flight and I'm going to wipe down the seats and be thoughtful, but we're also not going to stop living our lives. People, similar question we get a lot is, are you scared of a terrorist attack in New York City? Mm-hmm. And I think we know we're much more of a target for a terrorist attack than, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma or right. San Antonio, Texas. And right. so we're aware of those things, but it's not going to stop us from enjoying the incredible aspects of New York City. And I think if you're nervous about traveling here, I, I, I don't think it's our personal opinion 
uh, don't let that stop you. Just be cautious. Be smart. Um, and New Yorkers are, are generally pretty smart. And, you know, I think we were at the subway today. I didn't see one person with a mask on, but you'll what's, see it sometimes. What's funny, though, is I didn't see anybody with a mask, anybody acting any different, except for there was a group of tourists that came down That's the funny. stairs and they I all put on that. their mask. And they put on the mask, the kind of mask, like the paper kind of mask that you get at CVS or something. Sure. And they say that those actually don't work against the coronavirus but i guess if it makes you feel better like put it on and um you'll probably maybe be less likely to get the flu with that sure but and i think too we are we're healthy we're not you know senior citizens we don't have any really tiny young ones that seem to be the ones that are uh, most likely to have complications from the coronavirus so i guess just with our age and with our kids age um it's It'll end up being a little bit more like the flu, uh, yep. maybe a little bit worse, but I don't necessarily see it as a you know, huge health risk to us. So maybe that's another reason that we're not as worried about it. But Yeah, it's good. It's a good question, though. We, yeah, we appreciate no, the questions, and I think that's exactly why we do this, is mm-hmm. as you have questions, we want to answer this. We yeah. love the city, uh, and we want people that have thoughts, concerns, and obviously we're not, as you said, medical professionals, but... That's our take and what we're seeing and what we're experiencing here in the city. Yeah, and it's not a pandemonium. Nobody's going crazy. And, I mean, nope. just as many people ride the subway without masks, just as many people are riding the buses and on the streets, all yes. of that. So there is not a sense in the city either yep. that I can I can see so far yep. that anybody is is worried to, you know, a visible. Yeah, we did see the cutest dog in the city on the on the <laughs> subway today. It was really cute. Coming, coming home from Washington Heights. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Katie, what's another question you've okay. been getting on Instagram? Another question is, do we have mosquitoes in yeah. New York City? Yeah. So, obviously, we haven't lived everywhere in the five boroughs, and I'm, I think every neighborhood's a little bit different. Yep. I don't really see them too much in Manhattan. Yep. Maybe a little bit in the parks sometimes. I've, and I am a, like a mosquito magnet. Yes. And I mean, I'd like see a mosquito and my like skin starts bubbling up. <laughs> and so it it is, uh, you know, mosquitoes, you know, are, are attracted to me and affect me. And so I noticed I don't remember ever getting a mosquito bite in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But when we lived in Brooklyn, I, That's I, what I, was gonna say. I did get quite a few mosquito bites. Now, in comparison to Texas, I felt like I was eating up all the time in Texas, especially growing up in Houston. There were mosquitoes everywhere. So I don't see a ton of mosquitoes, but I did. I did notice a lot more in Brooklyn. We were close to Prospect Park, so yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe something about the brownstones in Brooklyn. Like I don't know if there's more standing water. There's something about it, but we would get pretty eaten up um, in Brooklyn. I remember. I remember, especially the first couple of years that we lived there. So yeah. I don't know what it's like in Queens or the Bronx or Staten Island. Brooklyn yep. seems to have mosquitoes. Manhattan yep. does not. I have yeah. no idea what the reason is, but yeah. that was our experience so it's, far. It's a good question. You know, yeah. we, we do. I mean, if you're you're concerned about creatures, we do have mice and rats. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think in a lot of older buildings, uh, you'll see a lot of roaches and things like that. But, you know, we, you know, I would say we are not outdoorsy people. And so my friends that live near the country, they have snakes and spiders um, or lizards and those kind of creatures around them. And those scare me a ton more than mice and rats. And so those, yeah. I mean, those, the mosquitoes, yeah. Yeah. But when you get eaten up by a mosquito, like it, oh, those bites are the worst. Yeah. 
So yeah. that's what we deal with here in New York, but mosquitoes are not a big thing here. It's a good question, though. Yeah. The other thing is, um, and this was coming from somebody who lives in the South that, you know, has yeah. more mosquitoes. The other one is allergies. Yeah. Do so we have, like, seasonal allergies or allergies here in New York City? Um, personally, when I lived in Texas, I was allergic to cedar. Yeah. And every year in Texas, my allergies would get, I mean, to the point where I would miss, like, a day or two of school because they just knocked me out. And so I don't have cedar allergies here, which is fantastic sometimes when everything is blooming in central park and you know around sometimes like a little bit of the pollen will get to me the only thing that i have are indoor allergies now Hmm. Uh, because we're inside so much we don't have the windows open or even like i guess the ac running and all um i have to be and honestly we my allergies inside were getting so bad we've actually hired somebody to come in and clean once a week um We'll talk about that maybe on another podcast. But the dust and everything inside was really getting to me. So we make sure that the house stays dusted, and I feel so much better with that. But I never had indoor allergies before. But yeah. during the winter months, I seem to feel that a lot. Yeah, and I'm, I, I would say I'm allergic to just about everything other than, like, peanuts that people have. <laughs> um, and so I took – I had – growing up, I had to take allergy shots and growing up – in Texas, I would say I got every season of allergies. I was, you know, uh, taking, I mean, I took so much Claritin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, living in Texas. I rarely take it out. I actually take it only when I'm traveling, uh, when I'm going to a place where I know allergies are going to be high. So allergies for me have been much less here. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think it probably depends on the person and mm-hmm. what's happening. But because, you know, I think, too, one of the questions I get a lot uh, around housing is like, oh, man, it must be a bummer not to have a yard. Well, one of my biggest allergies are fresh cut grass. Um, and so right. not having a yard actually eliminates one of my more significant allergies as well. So And Shelby I, is allergic yeah. to grass. She got when we were in Texas, we had to yeah. go get her allergy tested because her eczema was really bad in Texas. Yeah, um, she still has some flare ups here, but she's kind of grown out of it. But yeah, when we were in Texas, grass grass was something that she was allergic to and so yeah, yeah. we had to be I did. careful this is, you don't know this yesterday we oh. went to get bubble tea Shelby and I uh-huh. and they had wheatgrass shots on sale oh. I was like Shelby you want to you want to drink some grass together and she's like dad I'm allergic to grass <laughs> so she wouldn't drink the wheatgrass and I was like I don't know if that affects her allergy or not I don't know I, either I don't, wouldn't think so but uh, yeah but she was alert of her hey, grass allergy that's good yeah alright yeah. I'll take it Okay, what other question? Okay, so the last one we're going to cover has to do with moving to New York City. Yeah, big one. Um, So somebody DM'd me that they are moving, um, that she has a job here, and she'll be making about $85,000. I don't don't remember if she said it was a boyfriend or husband. Sorry, I can't remember right now. But whoever is moving with her still has, will have about three months of school left, and then he'll be getting a job once he graduates and so but they need a they need housing before that time so they won't make the 40 times rent for the first three months yep and so she was wondering is that a deal breaker because she listened to the podcast so thanks for listening <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and she heard that you, know, you you have to have 40 times rent um, to move in or be qualified for an apartment um, she also said once she listened to our podcast she saved up even more money so that's awesome she said she has enough in the bank for about five months worth worth of oh, rent way to go in addition to the fees so nicely done um so she has plenty of money in the bank yes and once 
he graduates, they will make the 40 times the rent. But, of yep. course, they're worried for the initial application process. What so, do they do? So explain 40 times rent is one month's rent 40 times that on an annual salary? What's 40 times rent? Yeah, yeah. It? So, right. So you take your monthly rent, yep. multiply it by 40 times. Which is maybe, say, $2,000. Yeah, multiply it by 40. What is that? So if it's $2,000, it would be $80,000. So that's what you need to make. You need to make 80000 Okay. So they're looking at something that's around $2,500 a month, which is... And is that post-tax, pre-tax? Do you know? Um, I believe it's what you bring home. Okay. Yep. That's good to know. I don't know. I need to look at that. Yeah. Yeah, I was okay. not expecting that question. Sorry about that. I just, <laughs> I just think I was doing the math in my head right now. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Okay. Um, still need to figure that out, but but it does make it harder for those that are like me, that are contractors, you know, and I have multiple streams of income as mm-hmm. a contractor, but it it's it's a little more complicated because because I'm a contractor, a lot of times my income changes month to month, um, and so how you kind of have to lay that out. Depends. And so understand, yeah, anyways, you're, you were kind of explaining this process a little bit, but I think um, don't let this, and I think even part of your core answer is going to be this, is don't let, if you don't have exactly 40 times rent, don't let that prevent you from trying to progress. But uh, there are some just steps you need to take in that process. So Yeah, and so that's what I, I told her, that um, you can include a letter to the landlord or management company for the apartment that you're applying for. And you can say those things. So just, you know, in a very personal way, just let them know the situation. You know, I'm, we're moving here. I'm going to have a job that makes $85,000 a year. Um, My boyfriend will have, you know, be graduating in three months. Just lay it all out there. Um, Not every landlord is going to go for it, but you will find some that will. In fact, we had to do that when we applied for this apartment. We had to submit a letter just letting them know because I had applied for a job here and I had been told that I was pretty much going to get it, but it wasn't official yet. So I couldn't say, and I didn't know exactly how much the pay was going to be. So I did not have in writing, and that's another thing, get in writing if you have a job offer from them, letting them know, um, you know, how much, because you won't have pay stubs like yet. When you're, when it will start. When it will start, it how much you're making. Yes, yeah, exactly. So you'll submit that, but then you'll also submit a letter and just let the landlord know exactly what's going on, who you are, you know, what your plan is, that kind of thing. Now, if it's a highly competitive building, you know, they will likely pick the person who has the 40 times rent and all of that and you know checks all the boxes if it's not or maybe they have compassion and see your story and like understand what's happening then they'll be fine with it that's kind of what happened to us they understood um i don't know if this apartment was in high demand or not (laughs) but they they said it was fine they understood the situation and um and that's another good reason to work with a broker because they know which landlords and which management companies will be more open to something like that i mean they know some of the management companies around here are real sticklers and they won't budge but then they'll know other ones that are and i was trying to think if it would be more beneficial to do that with a big building like a management company if they would be more willing or a landlord who has a few properties and i couldn't decide which one would be more willing to do it i think it's both i think it just depends on the landlords and some landlords are more flexible than others and some just know like they they understand certain dynamics are 
a little more consistent. And so if somebody's lived in New York longer, they might lean towards that individual because they know they're probably not going to leave quickly. If yeah. a lot of people move here and just like flying by the seat of their pants uh, and then they're gone in four months and a landlord wants somebody that's going to stay. Uh, they don't want people mm-hmm. in and out of their apartments. And so while you might not meet that 40 times rent, if you are, you know, and you can pr- prove a level of stability and you're going to be there for a little while, that landlord's going to be much more likely and more, more attracted to you as a tenant in their building. And so I, I think having having a good statement uh, to help them understand why you're going to be a good tenant uh, and why they can why they can be confident that you're going to pay your rent every month. Yeah. And then also money talks in this situation. So they may have you pay an extra security deposit yep. or when you do apply for apartments, no matter what your situation is, you print out your bank statements. And yep. so if they look at your bank statement and it's pretty low, you just have you know what you need for the month to get by then that's they're not going to like that very much but like she said she's got in the bank at least five months worth of rent in there he knows the landlord knows he or she i can't i don't want to be but they know that you are good for it in some ways you know that you have shown that you can save up the money you've got a nice padding in your bank account and so you're less likely to not be able to pay rent. Yep, yep. And uh, but not, and we've said this before on this podcast, but a lot of people want to move to New York and they have a dream of moving to New York and they think they're going to just get here and figure it out when they get here. And that just doesn't work very well. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you can get an Airbnb for a few weeks, um, but but it really, uh, you, you need to be planning out uh, your move here. You need to be thoughtful, especially if you plan on getting an apartment that you want to live in for a little while. Um, it's it, it it is a process, and, and I think having a good, uh, you know, what, not a realtor, what do they broker. call it? a broker, uh, is is key because they know good properties, they know the the city, they know the good areas, they know the good landlords, and so having a good broker really is highly valuable. So more than your search for an apartment should be a search for a good broker, and that broker is going to help you guide you down that path of the paperwork, the process. Uh, and getting into the right building. And they'll be able to look at all of your assets and all of your story and everything, and they'll be able to tell you, yes, you can afford this one, or no, you can't. Because I think sometimes, even before we moved, we were like, yeah, we could probably swing this. We could we could push our budget a little bit. Um, and then the broker can look at you and say, no, you know, yep. there's no landlord, there's no management company that's going to allow you to push it that much. Like yep. this is your this is your limit. And um, the other thing I was going to talk about too is credit. Yep. Because that does play a big part in it. Um, and there are different ways to kind of finagle that as well. Um, if you are going into renting an apartment with somebody else, if one of the the people, whether it's, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend situation, husband, wife, if one of you does not have stellar credit, it may be to your benefit to only have the person with great credit do the application. And then they will have, you know, the other person and any kids as, you know, they'll list them as the people moving in, but that person on the lease will have the best credit. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. So that's what you want to do is Sometimes it's stronger with two people, but then yep. sometimes it's 
better with just one so that the, the landlord yeah. doesn't see that second person like, oh, wait, this person, the wife's credit is not so great. What's going on yeah. here? This is a red flag. Yeah. So it may be beneficial just to do one person on the yes. lease. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, great advice, Katie. I, I think, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of thoughts there and a lot mm-hmm. of uh, process. If you have questions about that, though, and you're like, I don't know, I don't fully understand, DM Katie at Coming to NYC on Instagram. Uh, she will help you. And, and we know some brokers here in the city, too. If you're looking for a broker, uh, Katie can help you recommend a couple of brokers to you um, here in the city as well. Um, I Before we... Uh, wrap or wrap up Katie you did mention something that we'll probably do a whole podcast on okay. but that's that we just got a got some cleaning help yes. uh, here and one of the things that people all often tell me and I, I got it this week I was in Nashville uh, with a client and I remember somebody saying gosh I don't envy you living in New York City. It just seems so challenging to not have a car and not have, you know, uh, the conveniences of a house and a garage and those kind of things. And and I think every time somebody says that to me, I think, do you not understand how simple our lives are? Like My we're life able is so much easier. We're here. able to walk our kids to school. Mm-hmm. We go downstairs to a Starbucks directly below us, a grocery store next to us, but we don't, we're honestly walking to the grocery store next door to us is too complicated because we we actually get groceries delivered mm-hmm. to our door um, and Amazon to our door and a, you know, a doorman to receive all of our packages and uh, food, you know, like, I mean, I think there's 500 restaurants that will deliver to us uh, in our area and now we even have a cleaning lady that cleans our apartment and does our laundry Once the simplicity week. and we have no yard to mow mm-hmm. the simplicity of our lives is almost just to live our lives and so while we do have some complexity of, of a small apartment it's actually a simplicity of less space uh, to manage and to keep clean and to keep organized and so um, I think one of the appealing factors of New York City to me and to you is the simplicity of life here, not the complexity. And so right. I think a lot of people be- believe it to be complex because they don't understand it. Um, but but I think for the most part, that's the case with a lot of New Yorkers is we're more focused on living our lives, not the, the physical space that we sleep in. Uh, now, we do appreciate it and value it, uh, but it's... Yeah, the simplicity of that. Yeah, and I think, too, and I've said this before on the podcast, it's because when a lot of people come to visit, they go to Times Square, and that would stress me out, too. If I lived in Times Square, I... I would go crazy. And so that's what they think. They see Times Square. They see the craziness of that. And really, they don't see the the grocery stores or talk about how things get delivered and all of that. So next time you're in New York City, like come up to the Upper East and the Upper (laughs) West Side and go out to Brooklyn and go, um, you know, like South Street Seaport area, like that kind of downtown and actually see how people live here and I think you'll get a better understanding and a better appreciation of how quiet and easy and simple things can be here. Yeah, I just want to add that in, Katie, uh, because I'd gotten that question this week. Yeah, um, and you bringing that up uh, with uh, the the help that we've gotten is and it doesn't it cost me, me any that. more to get help so with somebody cleaning our house than it would in Texas. Yeah, that you know, I mean, obviously we have less space to clean, but. Yeah, yeah, it's not any more expensive. Ba- babysitters did cost more, almost twice as much. Yeah, um, that's but true. cleaning uh, help did not. 
So, anyways, that's my two cents in that area. Um, we want to thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to thank everyone in France for listening to this podcast. We are r- ranked high in France, and we <laughs> yeah. uh, it was it's fun to see all the different stats coming in and the, the messages and the reviews. And so, while we know we have listeners all over the country, it's fun to know too that we have listeners all over the world. So, in Australia and France, uh, who are the top two countries uh, that listen to our podcast outside of the United States. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. We appreciate everyone who's listening that cares about our story and uh, enjoys New York City and learning about New York City. Like, we love uh, this city. Uh, we're glad you're listening. We, we hope uh, you'll leave a review. It means so much to us, not just that it helps other people hear it, but we'd like to hear feedback. Uh, and we'd like to hear what we do on this podcast that helps you uh, better learn and experience this city. And so we're having a blast sharing our story, sharing our lives, and sharing the insights uh, that we continue to learn uh, living and loving uh, this city of New York City. So thanks for listening. We will catch you on the next episode.